on this episode of Rebel Spirit Radio. What we suggest for guests that come to reunion is to let go of these expectations of what this might be like, right? Oh, this is, I've heard this is an amazing trip and I'm going to see all these images and I'm, I'm going to be in outer space and, you know, just let go, go of that and, mm-hmm. and really just go into this as a place of surrendering into what is it that, that you need yeah. and, and be open to that. You know, there's no way in my first journey with, 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 with ayahuasca, I would have said, let's deal with my dad issues. You know, yeah. at the time I was 53 I'm mm-hmm. 57 now at the time I was 53, I thought I dealt with all this. Mm-hmm. Right. So I wasn't going to Costa Rica to, to deal with some trauma around my childhood, you know, but that's exactly where I, where I needed to be and what I needed to, to start this journey on. So, you know, I'd really suggest to people, the medicine gives what, what we need, not what we, we think we want. And to right. let go of all these expectations and stories, most of us spend a lifetime with all these stories and expectations, and, and the medicine's really a chance to just let go of that and trust. Welcome to Rebel Spirit Radio, exploring the frontiers of spirituality, consciousness, the esoteric, and humanity's sacred relationship with a living earth. I'm your host, Nick Mather, and in this week's episode, I'm joined by Brad Wells, founder of Reunion, a nonprofit plant medicine retreat center in Costa Rica. Brad shares his life altering experience with ayahuasca and how the medicine reunites us with who we are at our core. He also discusses the specialized retreats offered at Reunion, including the Cultivating Pride retreats designed exclusively for the LGBTQ community. Also, please be sure to like and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you use to listen to or view podcasts. Your support is truly appreciated. More through grit than brilliance, Brad Wells built multiple successful companies over his career. Attempting to prove self-worthiness, he had a drive to succeed, sacrificing much in the pursuit of achievement. Somewhat unexpectedly, he had the opportunity to experience ayahuasca. A transformative shift occurred in his view of life, of business, and most profoundly, of himself. Plant medicine has led Brad along an incredible, challenging, and yet rewarding path. He has learned that to live more authentically, sometimes one must make decisions that will hurt their heart to heal their soul. Brad's experience with plant medicine provided the opportunity for him to accept his identity as a gay man, something he had known for as long as he can remember, but buried deeply. For Brad to live more authentically, he decided to come out. His life has changed dramatically since. He sold his company, together with his wife concluded their 25-year marriage, and established Reunion as a not-for-profit plant medicine retreat center in Costa Rica. Establishing Reunion enabled Brad to leverage learning from his business career without the focus on profit and has provided him with great purpose and meaning. Reunion is here to offer those seeking personal growth, self-acceptance, and healing the opportunities and experiences to create positive change in themselves and therefore create positive change in the world. All are welcome at Reunion, a place to ignite life. Brad, welcome to Rebel Spirit Radio. Thank you, Nick. Yeah. When I when I hear that um, all read like that, I... It kind of hits me. Yeah. Yeah. It's been quite, it's been quite the last four and a half years. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I I want to begin by asking you about this. My first question is how did grandmother ayahuasca come into your life? 
Well, it literally was really unexpected. I was talking to a friend of mine. He, he was actually my, my personal trainer at the time, and he was getting into meditation. And I was just telling him I was really burnt out, needed a, needed a holiday, needed to, mm-hmm. needed to get away. I'm a Canadian, and my days in the U.S. were just about maxed. I didn't want to have to, it can only go 180 days in, in the U.S. And, and he said, oh, I, a couple of weeks ago, I was at um, a place in Costa Rica. Really, it's a beautiful country. I did I did uh, yoga and meditation and organic food and 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 ayahuasca and I was like well I'm not going to do ayahuasca but the rest of it sounds sounds really good <laughs> so I had this idea that it was a drug mm. I thought but you know place for just some downtime different so a couple of weeks later I I ended up in, in Costa Rica mm. and I remember you know getting there and and hearing about the program and just you know, understanding that it was an ayahuasca center mm-hmm. and, and yes, there was meditation and yes, there was yoga and yes, there was organic food and some classes and workshops, but really it was all to support the ayahuasca journey. Mm-hmm. So my first text to him was WTF. I'm like, this is all ayahuasca. Right. And, and three nights later, my next text to him was, thank you for being my friend. Mm-hmm. Because I just had such a, I did the ceremonies and just had such a profound change, you know, in my own self. And I was there with about 30 other people doing this. And as I talked to them, uh, you know, the same profound change that I had felt they were feeling in their own lives. So that was kind of my introduction to, to ayahuasca unexpectedly, but really thankful that it happened. Now you said that you were hesitant to start with. So you had no experience with plant medicines before? No, my only experience was hearing about them, you know, really more from the concept of a drug, right? Mm -hmm. So these, these are drugs, these, you know, and I also grew up very uh, in a Catholic, very Catholic, very Christian faith. So, you know, anything outside of that, just, just, I was taught was wrong. Mm -hmm. So, you know, going to a country and lying on a mattress and drinking, you know, a plant medicine just, just, you know, was against everything I grew up with Mm. and had such narrow, narrow beliefs at the time. So yeah, no, I would, I would have never done this had it not happened the the way it did. Okay. Was there anything that made you change your mind once you were there? What led you to change your mind to say, okay, I will give this a shot. I think it was more that I was there. Mm. Right. You know, this is what the center was. I I was there. I could see that the people I was, were with were, you know, you know, people I could relate to. They, you know, they, they were all just kind of looking to, you know, grow personally, you know, understand themselves better, grow in their own lives. So it kind of felt, well, these people I can relate to and, and, and they're doing this. Costa Rica is a very safe country. So, you know, I, I, I was comfortable there. That gave me a level of, of comfort and safety. And, and then I tried it. And, and the first night was, was a challenging one. And, and so was the second night. And so was the third. They were probably the most challenging experiences. But each one was just so profound that, that you know, I, I kept going. Yeah. You know, so that was, that was how I got into it. Okay. Can you speak a little bit to the actual experience? Because 
I can speak firsthand as well, having experienced ayahuasca and also being a gay man, I understand a lot of what you went through, but I also know the experience is different for everyone. And it did lead to a profound change in your life. Yeah. Well, for me, my first experience, you know, was, was with my dad in, in ceremony, you know, he and I just never really connected in, in our, in our lives. Um, I didn't feel his warmth, his embrace, um, I would say that, you know, I didn't feel that he loved me the way I needed to be loved. I think I've certainly come to understand he loved me in the way that he could. But but at that point in my life, I was really stuck on the idea, the story that that he didn't love me. So I went into that first journey with not even that in my mind, but that's that, you know, that's what came up and mm-hmm. and really, really went into that and and kind of came out of it with a yeah, it was difficult for him to love not only me, it was just difficult for him to love. And, and by the end of the week, I realized, you know, was, I was kind of angry that first night, you know, like I grew up not getting what what I wanted, what I felt I needed. And after three ceremonies, you know, the, the, that final night was just, wow, like he didn't give me this because he didn't have it to give. Mm. So it really shifted from quite a place of animosity as pissed off, and in by by the end of the week, it was more one of like real empathy, like wow, he he didn't get this either. Mm-hmm. So it wasn't that he deliberately withheld something, you know. I've since come to realize you really can't give something unless you have it, right? Right. And and that's that's how he was. So it was really going into that childhood, mm-hmm. you know, lack of attention, lot, you know, just not having you know, those needs met and, you know, it led to a business career of me always trying to prove my self-worth, mm. you know, that, that, that I was worthy. And I started to see that in, in, in the ceremony. Mm. Right. So that was kind of my first, my first experience. It wasn't at that point that, you know, really the idea of being gay or the issue of being gay came up, up for me. I had buried that one really deep. Right. I mean, I remember as a kid, like, you know, swearing that this will never come out yeah. and, and I wasn't going to be gay. So it was a couple, you know, subsequent ceremonies that, that I, that I worked through that. Mm. Yeah. It's, it's interesting because, you know, I don't know exactly how old you are, but I'm assuming that we're kind of the same generation and it was very difficult. You know, I had to go through a huge process of self-acceptance and it was painful. It was very, very painful because, you know, now I think current generations have it a little bit easier, but there's still some social stigma with it. So I can definitely see how the medicine can help in that process. Yeah. Well, the medicine just really, you know, showed me you know, this idea of self-worthiness and how I was always trying to pursue it and really came to understand that, that I am worthy, that it's, right. it's not about what I do and really felt like I had some profound shifts in, in my life. And, and then one night in an ayahuasca journey, you know, I started to feel just this profound sense of, of started with dislike. I was like, you know, you, you really don't like yourself for me, the medicine almost, it's almost like a conversation. You know, and, and I heard, you don't really like yourself. And I'm like, yeah, I know, you know, and then it was kind of like, no, you really don't like yourself. Mm. And I'm like, yeah, I know. Like, I know this, like, kind of like enough already. And, and then it was one more time. And it was just like, you hate yourself to the core. Mm. And, and I could just feel, 
you know, just the self-hatred. Like I literally shook, like someone went boo. Like I was like, like just a profound sense. I, I, I had no idea how, how deep the self-hatred was. Mm. Right. And I remember thinking to myself in the ceremony, this ayahuasca doesn't work. Like, here I am, I've done these ceremonies, I thought I was having these profound shifts in my life, and here I am hating myself just to the core of, of who I am, right? I remember thinking, this is like at a soul level, mm. you know, and and what I realized at that point is I've hated, you know, these these initial journeys allowed me to get to this place of, of being able to, to come to, to terms with this, and, you know, I always say that the medicine didn't out me when I tell this story. It's really about that the medicine gave me a choice. And, and, you know, I remember thinking, I'm going home tomorrow. I'm, I'm like going back to my life. I was married. I'm going back to my family, like my wife, my, my existence. And I'm not doing any more ayahuasca. And, and what I really heard in the medicine is you can do that, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if you want to live a life more authentically and in more integrity, you can make the choice and, and move forward and, and live who you are as, as a gay man and, and come out. So I sat with that choice and decided that for me, you know, I wanted to live more authentically. I wanted to live more in integrity and hiding the fact that I was a gay man from not only really myself, but, but you know, for the people around me, the ones that, that love me and that I love, I needed to do this. So that was the journey for me of, of yeah. plant medicine, of ayahuasca, helping me come to terms with just who I am. Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. It's a remarkable story. And, um, you know, in the bio that I read, there's the line, uh, he has learned that to live more authentically, sometimes one must make decisions that will hurt their hearts to heal their soul. Mm. When I read that, I was like, amen, brother. <laughs> yeah. That one still gets me emotional because yeah. I was married for 25 years yeah. and, you know, I lived this identity of, of being a straight man. Mm. So it was a really, really tough path. Right. right? So I've heard it said that you know, th- this walk to self-healing, to to self, you know, to growth, to transformation, is a is a is not an easy path. It, right. That's been my experience. I mean, I would never go back. I'd never mm-hmm. change it, but but it hasn't been an easy an easy couple of years. Right. So one of the things I wanted to ask you, and this is just kind of a general kind of question. But I think it's important, and I know that this is addressed a little bit on the Reunion website, but there's this popular idea of ayahuasca that people will go and, you know, drink, drink the brew and have, you know, these amazing kind of psychedelic experiences, visual experiences. And I know that for me, the first time I drank the medicine I had none of that. In fact, I've never had any, I had one little glimpse of something once, but it manifests very differently and it manifests very differently for each individual. It almost seems like the medicine is individualized. And so I was wondering if maybe you could say a little bit about how the the, the relationship that you have with the medicine, how it manifests for you. Yeah. And Nick, I can really relate to that. You know, every, every experience with, with ayahuasca for me has been, been different and unique, right? I've had the opportunity over the years now, many, many times. And, you know, I can't say one has been like the last or, or, oh, I've done this 
before. Each, each one's really, really different. You know, what I've heard from the indigenous teachers is that, you know, the saying, the medicine gives us what we need, not necessarily what we want. Right. Right. It, it's, it's a fairly common understanding in the medicine. So I think what we suggest for guests that come to reunion is to let go of these expectations of what this might be like. Right. Oh, this is I've heard this is an amazing trip and I'm going to see all these images and I'm, I'm going to be in outer space. And, you know, just let go, go of that and, mm -hmm. and really just go into this as a place of surrendering into what is it that that you need? Yeah. And, and be open to that you know there's no way in my first journey with 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 ayahuasca i would have said let's deal with my dad issues you know yeah. at the time i was 53 i'm mm -hmm. 57 now at the time i was 53 i thought i dealt with all this mm -hmm. right so i wasn't going to costa rica to to deal with some trauma around my childhood you know but that's exactly where i where i needed to be and what i needed to to start this journey on so you know, I'd really suggest to people the medicine gives what, what we need, not what we we think we want. And to right. let go of all these expectations and stories. Most of us spend a lifetime with all these stories and expectations. And, and the medicine's really a chance to just let go of that and trust. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And that was what tripped me up the first time was I didn't think that I had expectations, but I had expectations. Yeah. You know, but it was interesting. very natural thing. Very, very natural yeah. for all of us. Right. Yeah. 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 What was interesting for me on that first experience, though, was it manifested externally for me. And I came away with the thought, this is supernatural. <laughs> there's mm -hmm. something, there's a spirit here. And what I've learned is exactly what you said is the medicine's going to do what the medicine needs to do and just give myself over to that. Right. Right. Yeah. I find for certainly for myself and for a lot of people I talk to that this, this medicine, this path is really about coming back to who we are you know, re, you know, authentically, you know, reuniting with, with, with us, with, with me. Right. And that's actually where the name reunion comes from. It's about coming back to ourselves, reuniting with who we are at our essence, at, at our core in, in, in coming home, hmm. you know, in, in, in some spiritual teachings, it's the idea of coming back to ourselves or remembering who we are. Right. However you phrase that it's really about, you know, this, this, person, me, right. in, in how do I want to live my life? Right. So you had this profound experience and you have had several other ayahuasca retreats. When did you start making the, all these like professional and personal changes and leading you up to founding reunion? Yeah. Well, one of the really profound awarenesses that the medicine showed for me is just how much my business career was tied up in in my self-worth right you know i wasn't you know chasing financial success i, I was really chasing self-worth right and the way that i chose to do that was was you know starting and growing businesses and and really putting a ton of time in, into that, you know, I mean, I remember thinking Sundays, Sundays were the best day to be in the office because there was the least amount of distractions. So I could go in and get a full, full day of work done before I started the week. You know, I just, I just put a lot in, in, in what I saw by, you know, doing the medicine or in one of the journeys was just how much of me, my identity was tied up. 
And I, and I remember thinking in the medicine or, well, that's, no, that's not me. I've got a number of business friends. And I was like, oh, that, no, that's this person. Like, you know, or, you know, oh, it's also this person, but, but it's, but it's not me. Right. Mm -hmm. And then clearly it, it really was me. I, I had so much of myself tied up. So I made the decision that I didn't want to be defined my self-worth be defined by, by a business or, or something I had created externally. So I made the decision to sell the, the, the major company I have or had at the time and, and put it up for sale more just to be free of that drive for self-worth and, and not necessarily with the idea that I would sell this and open a retreat center or found a retreat center. It was more just letting go of that. And it was a choice. You know, some people are always, I hear this, oh, I don't want to do anything that, you know, I don't want to do. I don't want to drink this medicine. And all of a sudden I'm quitting my job or, you know, you know, my experience is the medicine doesn't do things that we, that we don't invite or, or say yes to. So for me, it was definitely, I wanted to let go of that drive for self-worth. And I, and I sold my, my major company that I'd been at 25 years. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. So when did you found Reunion? In 2019, okay. purchased the property that was kind of at the height of the, the pandemic. Right. Um, but I had gone back to Costa Rica quite a number of times and had the experience to, to do medicine. And what I just experienced as a guest, the place I was at, is there was a lot of upsells. There was a lot of selling me to come back, selling me on different services. And some of them were, were quite expensive, very expensive. And you know, my own experience was being deep in the medicine, you're, you're very vulnerable, right? You're dealing with a lot of, a lot of stuff and, and to have these upsells, to be viewing guests as, you know, what's the lifetime value of these guests in, in that space just, just didn't resonate. Right. So, you know, I'm experiencing that and I'm seeing that at this, the, the center I was at and, and I thought, I, I think things could be done differently. I have no problem with profit. So, you know, it's in fact, it's a lifetime of pursuit uh, of profit, but just my own journey to this was, you know, if I could do this with, you know, that found this retreat center with the money that I got from my sale of the business, we could, we could do things differently. So we set it up. I set it up as a, as a not-for-profit and, you know, we, we need to be financially sustainable. So enough coming in to, to cover the bills and, and to pay, you know, we have a lot of people that, that work there now, but my own commitment to reunion is, is, is not to take anything out financially. Right. So there's no, you know, I don't put expenses through, I, I, I don't receive a financial compensation. And what I found for me is it, it's just changes our motivation. It changes the vibe. You know, so I'm here today talking to you, Nick, not, not because I want to get another 10 guests through and that's going to put, you know, X number of thousands of dollars to, to our bottom line or my bottom line. Um, we're doing this to, to let people know reunion is there. It's, it's a center. And if, if what we're about uh, resonates, you know, come, come and check us out. So yeah. it just changes the shift of, of, of why I'm doing this and therefore why the organization is, is doing it. Yeah. Well, I think that's important because I've noticed that there are, and I, I've seen this even stateside with some people who will identify themselves as shamans and offer, I, I knew one person who was in the Hollywood Hills 
that was offering a five gram mushroom, a psilocybin mushroom experience for like $1,200. And my thought was, you're not in this to help people heal. You're in this to help make money. And I'm very fortunate that I found a group in the United States that is very legitimate. And they, I am firmly of the opinion that they're there to help people heal. And it seems though that there are a lot of people that are taking advantage of those who may not know much about the medicine or what it entails or how to find someone who's authentic. Yeah. Yeah. In my experience, the the healing, the growth, the transformation, really, I just felt it was so profound, mm-hmm. you know, that that the people will pay for that. Yeah. Right. People will pay for a sense of calm. People will pay for a sense of joy. People will pay for a sense of happiness that they've never really felt before. Right. You know, I, you know, I would, would pay dearly for this sense of self worth, mm. you know? So I think, you know, and, and I've had the experience of, of, of being involved, you know, sitting with a, a center that is a for-profit center that does it very well, you know, mm. in, in a lot of integrity. So I wouldn't want to, you know, say that, right. that this is across the board by any means, right? Yeah. I just know the place that I particularly went to, there, there was a huge profit motive. Mm. And, and it, was, it was really all about how can, how can we make money, right? right? And, and you know, I just think from a safety perspective, from a, an ability to go deep into this work, it's nice to not have that as, as an overarching motive. Right. Right. Yeah. And, you know, looking at what you're doing at Reunion, you know, I noticed that integration is central and it's not just integration at the ceremonies, but it's something that seems to be ongoing. And that's one of the things that I always look for is what is the uh, integration experiences that are offered? Because that I think is way more important maybe than the actual consuming of the medicine. Yeah. Well, it's the work that, that we do afterwards. It's the follow through, you know, it's, it's great to have these awarenesses, these insights, these profound shifts in, in, in a ceremony, in a, in an ayahuasca ceremony, it's really the following them through and integrating and in making these changes into our lives. That's, that's the integration part. You know, so we, we, we do have a heavy, heavy focus on, on integration. We have at least a four week, uh, follow-up, uh, with, with each guest afterwards. And, and then on a monthly basis, we have what we call community calls because the integration just doesn't last, you know, it's not, it's not over at four weeks. It's, it's, it's an ongoing process. You know, I would say we're, we're constantly integrating, probably integrating our whole lives, you know, in, into what we're learning and what we're feeling. So for us, it's about trying to support the, the, the guests on, a, on an ongoing basis, not, not just while they're with us for that week, but, but certainly, you know, post the retreat and then on an ongoing basis. Yeah. Well, I think that is crucial and important. And it's also because it's not just that the experience is always with you, but I think the medicine is always with us. Yeah. Yeah. It, it does cause, at least it did for me, just, just a real shift, a profound shift. You know, it's, it's hard to explain Nick to people that when they're asking, well, what's it like? Right. You know, I'm like, you know, if someone says to you, well, what's a sunset like, 
mm. you know, how would you describe that? Like, it, you know, you'd use words like it's magnificent, it's beautiful, it's, you know, all these things, but it's not like seeing that sunset for yourself. And that's how right. I would describe ayahuasca. You can't really yeah. describe it. Right. It's, it's something that needs to be experienced. Yeah. Yeah. I agree with that. And again, it's something that's individual for each person, yeah. you know, it's. Yeah. And, 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 and when I say it, you know, the individual needs to experience it. That's only if they feel called. Right? Mm. So this isn't a, everyone should do this, you know, right. kind of, kind of approach. It was a profound catalyst in my life. And, and I'm very grateful for that. I see that with the guests that are coming, but there, there's also the idea that, you know, when you're called to the medicine, when it feels right, mm-hmm. you know, so we're not out to, you know, to pitch right. this, like everyone should do it. We're really right. more out to say, here's a place that's safe. It's, it's a place that you can do this work with, with integrity. And, and if that feels right for you, you know, come, come down right come to Costa Rica. Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about the Costa Rica, because I wanted to ask you about the set and setting of, yeah. of reunion. Well, we're fortunate we have, we were able to get, I was able to purchase a, a 40 acre property right right on the coast, uh, right on the Pacific coast of, of Costa Rica. So we have, you know, just a beautiful piece of land, sunset every night, every night that there isn't, there isn't clouds, but, you know, year round sunsets and, and we're right on the ocean and we're right in the middle of, of a very lush you know, tropical forest, dry in the dry season, super lush in, in, in the wet season in, in full of different birds and mammals and animals. It's just a really nice, a nice part of the world. Okay. Well, uh, who is leading the ceremony? Yeah, it depends on, on the ceremonies. We play a lot of, so part of my role, as I see it as founder, Nick, is to really be aware who serves medicine at reunion. Right. So I have a profound respect for, for the medicine and, you know, in my assessment and kind of my awareness is that people really need to be called to serve medicine. They, they need years of, of personal growth and in, in, in really training in this, this space. Often that is through indigenous lineages. So, you know, a lot of our medicine servers are wisdom keepers, you know, they, they're from Peru or from Brazil, right? We're not limited to that. We had a gay men's week, a cultivating pride week, where the, the individual, Alex, who was serving medicine, has been training for a number of years. He's, he's a U.S. citizen. He's, he, he would look every, he doesn't look like your classic shaman, but he spent almost 10 years training and in, in spending time with these indigenous cultures. And, you know, being a gay man himself, it was nice when we did you know, a cultivating pride week and was all gay men that the person serving the medicine was, was also from our community. Right. So it's, you know, really we're, we're aware that this is not just, okay, I, I want to serve some ayahuasca and, 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 right. and, and now off we go. We're really aware of not only who serves the medicine, but, but who makes our medicine where our medicine comes from, you know, it's, it's, it's really understanding the, the significance of that. You know, yeah. And the way I demonstrate it is, you know, you know, I founded Reunion. So, you know, um, I, you know, technically I could sit up there and, and, and serve medicine. Right. Mm-hmm. But I don't because I, I know that's not been my calling. It's not been my level of experience. And I have a lot of respect for for the medicine. So, yeah. So I would say a, a real heavy mix on the indigenous cultures, but we're not limited to just one way. Okay. And I. 
that's kind of unique for us because our whole ethos is there's not one path, mm. right? So, you know, what works for me is, is what worked for me. And I can share that learning if someone's interested and it's maybe helpful, but we're very um, aware at reunion. We're, we're not telling people there's a certain way to live your life. There's a certain path, you know, it's the whole idea here is you come back to yourself, you know, we're just providing the place, the set and the setting for, for, for you to do that. So the same thing would apply with, with the medicine. And, you know, I certainly wouldn't say, well, there's only one way to do the medicine and there's only one indigenous path to, to be able to do this. You know, I think it's more a path of, of, of being highly aware of, of, of this and being very respectful of the lineages in, in where this medicine has, has come from. Right. Yeah. The group that I found the, I'm going to call him a shaman, but he never, as far as I know, identifies as a shaman, but he had his training from a Shipibo shaman in Peru. And so during the ceremony, he knows all of the traditional songs, the Ikuros, which are songs. So I was kind of curious about that kind of process in the ceremony. It sounds like there, you know, different things happening in the ceremonies because you have different traditions. Is that well, our main medicine server is is from Peru, okay, right? And when he talks to our guests, he tells the story how when he grew up, I mean, this was something that was kept very quiet and very confidential for the community. And even when he went off to university, you know, his father asked him not to speak about the medicine. Mm. And, and, you know, he respected that. And, and, and after university, he was sitting with the medicine, he was training in, in these lineages, and he felt a real strong calling to, to bring these medicines, to, to bring this to, to the West. Right. So, you know, so he's at reunion be, because of the calling that, that he's felt. Um, so, you know, I think there's this, there has to be a balance between, you know, someone calling themselves a shaman after a couple right. of weeks of, of doing right. medicine. And the only way to do this work is in, you know, if I've, come from an indigenous culture right and and i think everyone sitting with the medicine really needs to assess is this person i'm sitting with you know does it feel right for me do do they feel like they have the experience do they feel like there's the right intention yeah right to your point does this feel like it's about healing and in growth or is this an opportunity for someone to to take advantage Right. And I noticed that uh, also looking at the reunion website that you have, and I'm assuming that you began these, I'm not entirely sure, maybe you're connected with them, but there was a replenish ayahuasca project yeah, uh, and the indigenous wisdom keepers fund. Yeah. So we have been able to purchase some land in Peru. Uh, it was, it's 200 acres that was about to be put into palm oil production so that everything was going to be cut down. Um, we were able to purchase that land. It had some ayahuasca growing on it already, or, or has some ayahuasca growing on it already. And, and our idea is to, is with replenish is, is to replant, you know, to make sure that for future generations, these medicines are, are available. Ayahuasca takes, you know, anywhere from five plus years um, be, be, before it's, 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 it can be used. So it, it's a long process. You just don't plant it, you know, today and in, in somewhere down, you know, the next, next 12 months you have ayahuasca, right. it's, it's years and years. So yeah, we have, we call it think of replenish and it's, it's going to be on our website coming the, the new year. And, and a lot of our guests have, have asked about it, you know, you know, Hey, 
you know, if I made a donation, could we plant a vine? Mm. So we're, we're going to maybe try something like that um, right. because people, we are finding people do want to support and in, in support this work in, in a way that, that is authentic and actually has meaning. So, right. you know, let's, let's get more ayahuasca grown for, for future generations. Yeah. And I think that's incredibly important as it becomes more popular because there is this tendency of people in the, you know, the global north or the west however you want to describe it of experiencing something and then kind of going in and demolishing the natural habitats so i think it's really important to have that preservation yeah well think of how many animals we've made extinct or how many right. plants we've made extinct the last thing we would want is for these medicines to not not be available so yeah so it's a big initiative for for us we're we're super excited to be able to, to, to do this because, you know, it takes a lot of ayahuasca vine to, yeah. to, to make a cup of medicine and, and making sure that there's the, enough there for our, our use and future generations is, is really important to reunion. Yeah. And what about the indigenous wisdom keepers fund? Yeah. What we really are trying to do is, is really support the communities from which these wisdom keepers are, are coming from. Right. So, I mean, we, we do that in, in the way of cash, you know, because they oftentimes know what's, what's most needed in, in their, their own communities, how, how to use those, those, those dollars. So yeah, the wisdom keepers that, that work with us and spend time with us, we also like to make sure that we're not only supporting them and their work, that we're also supporting the communities that, that they're coming from and that they're oftentimes supporting by going off and in, in, in doing this work and in, in bringing some of those financial resources back to the, to the community. You know? okay. As well, we have a scholarship um, program, mm, yeah. really significant scholarship program to try to make it available for as many people as, as possible. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. I was going to ask you about the scholarship okay. fund. Yeah. It's on my notes and it's highlighted here. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, it's an important, we just, I mean, unfortunately, you know, we get such a demand for scholarships. There's, there's only so much that, that, that we, we can do there, but yeah, it's, it's growing. The scholarship fund is growing. We're getting some donations towards that, which is, which is great. And in, in more people being able to do this work. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about, I know Reunion offers retreats for everyone who's interested, yeah. but you also have a very specific one for the LGBTQ plus community. So I thought yeah. that maybe we could talk about that a little bit. Sure. Yeah. Sure. What, what we've tried to do is, is create programs, retreat options that that really serve different communities. So, so there would be like our main ayahuasca week, which, which is open to all and, and is, is amazing. And we do, you know, psilocybin retreats as well. So those would be what we really kind of call our signature programs. There are our normal programs as, as it, as it were. And then we have a program for leaders and in, in entrepreneurs called awakening leadership. And then we have a cultivating, cultivating pride program for the LGBTQ community. And then in April of this year, we're going to be doing a, a medical doctors week. So it's, it's a week of, of medical doctors led by medical doctors for medical doctors. Okay. And, and then we're also doing a woman's week this, this year as well. But the cultivating pride one, we just had our, our first retreat about a month ago and we had 30 gay men that would include the, the the staff, the team, so probably about twenty five guests, and 
24, 25 guests and, and then the staff. And there was 30 gay men doing, doing medicine together, doing ayahuasca together. And me personally, it's the most included I've ever felt, the most welcomed in a, in a community. And, and I, a lot of the feedback from the guests that were there was this was a profound week. You know, they've often felt like in different circles, like the token gay guy. You know, the token gay guy at a retreat or the token gay guy at a, you know, in, in, you know, whatever, whatever they're involved in. So in this case, it was, it was all gay men, gay and queer identifying men in, in the retreat. And we, we do want to be able to offer more. We, we are hoping to put a lesbian week on in, in August. Right. Um, but what we're finding is that's a big alphabet. And just to say, you know, everyone in, in LGBTQ plus, you know, it's hard to serve the needs of that community unless we make it a little bit more specific. Okay. So we started with gay and queer men and, and we're going to be doing a lesbian week. And these are not one-offs for us, Nick. We really want to be able to offer three and four and five weeks a year for these different communities. Right. Right. I think it helps to do this work. I mean, in the indigenous cultures speak of, of healing in community, we're kind of used in North America. I go to my doctor, it's a one-on-one, or I go to my therapist, it's a one-on-one. And, and, and those are very helpful, right? But the classic healing in community has a, has a really deep meaning. There's a lot of support in that. So, you know, a, a week of business leaders, as, as the people there have common issues, common things they're working with. Certainly my own experience in the Cultivating Pride Week you know, you know, so many of the of the issues that were brought up, so much of the healing that that was happening were issues in healing I could relate to personally. Right. Yeah. You know, I found it interesting, again, just, you know, from being a gay man myself, but also understanding all of the struggles of that. And like I said at the beginning, you know, there is you know, there's a the generational aspect. I'm curious about the age group that participated in this first pride, but just in general, you know, there are, you know, these feelings of shame and guilt and the gay community has, you know, pretty high levels of addiction and these feelings of self-loathing. And it's amazing to have the opportunity to heal that. Yeah. I would say that the age range of our guests out of the 30 people, we probably range from 20 uh, to 60, okay. 60 plus, just, just by a little. So a okay. wide age, age range. The workshops that we put on during the week to support this were, were you know, one of them was shame, dealing, yeah. dealing with shame. You know, because it's so profound and that, that wouldn't be a normal workshop in a, in a, in a regular week for us. Not that there isn't a lot of shame felt by a a lot of people, but specifically this workshop was about gay shame. Yeah. Right. In the profound impact that that has had on our lives as, as gay men and in, you know, how hurtful that is, how damaging that is. And it was just so great to see so many people, you know, have healing when it, when it comes to that shame, I I wouldn't say it's healed, but certainly it's, it's a journey and, and a lot less shame coming out of the week than, than we had going in. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. The medicine is, it's very energetic and I can just imagine the openness in one of these workshops talking about these things and how profound that could be for people. Yeah. Well, in one of the the sharing circles, there was 30 of us 
in in you know the workshop facilitator also a gay man invited everyone that had experienced sexual abuses as a child just to, if they felt comfortable to step one foot into the circle and 80% of the, the guys there step forward. Wow. You know, so, you know, it's the shame, it's the sexual abuse. It's oftentimes, you know, other kinds of abuse, bullying, you know, that it really goes deep. So, yeah, I think it's, I hope it's changing Nick, but when I see someone 22 years of age, at our retreat, who's not out to his parents because they're so, you know, caught in a religion that that's right. convincing him or trying to tell him he's going to go to hell for being gay. And, and this guy's 22, you right. know, tears in his eyes as he's telling me that his youth pastor rejected him when, when there was a, even a hint of him, him being gay. I mean, this guy's youth pastor. Yeah. Okay. Took his own kids, his, this guy's friends away from him. I mean, just total rejection for, for, for being gay. So I'm not convinced it's, let's just do that. We have a long way to go, Yeah. right? Yeah. Um, we have a long way to go. And it was really a, a great week of um, healing. Uh, we've started a WhatsApp group for the, we actually started it beforehand yeah. to introduce everyone and, 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 you know, it's four weeks later and it's going strong, just some yeah. profound notes from people of, of how well they're doing. Yeah. And I think that community aspect is crucial. The group that I've been involved with also has something similar and it's, we're all considered a family in a way, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and that's how they yeah. refer to us. You know, it's all a family in a sense, but there is, you know, one of the retreats, uh, they always have the chats beforehand to try right. to help people get to know each other. And then afterwards, you know, they close it down, but someone's always like, well, let's create our own. <laughs> and that's still going strong several months later. It's still going very, very strong. Yeah. And that's awesome because these are people that you can relate to people that have been on a healing journey, you know, for some, they use the word healing. I use the word yeah. healing, um, right. but others it's transformation or personal growth, whatever that word yeah. is. Right. Once you've been on an experience with someone, you know, doing yeah. that, there is a bond there. Yeah. Yeah. Especially with ayahuasca because it can be pretty intense. Yeah. yeah. It, it can be. It, yeah. yeah. Very intense often. Right. Um, that's sometimes the fear people have with it, but you know, right. we always assure people uh, we're safe. We, we have a medical license, you know, we have uh, a, a, a trained staff, you know, we haven't lost anyone. We're not going to yeah. lose anyone, you know, but trust the process. Yeah. Well, and I think it's also really important to create an atmosphere. And again, this is part of the the setting of there's no judgment for anything because, you know, there are aspects to the ayahuasca experience that I know a lot of people are, oh, no, that may happen. I No, 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 no. But it has to, you know, there has to be no judgment at all. Right. And that's why we've developed these different programs throughout the year. So, yeah. you know, what really helps to ensure no judgment is when I'm sitting with a group of people in the same situation as me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. If I'm a business leader or an entrepreneur and I'm, and I'm doing medicine with, with, you know, others that I, you know, kind of relate with then you know, there's not going to be that same level of judgment there you naturally. And the same thing with, with either being gay or maybe an all women's week, uh, a medical doctor's week. Yeah. 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 That's yeah, a big that was, one for judgment. There's a lot of judgment yeah. around in the medical community for, for these medicines, yeah. but a lot of openness, openness is, is starting to happen. Yeah. 
Well, there's, I think there's still cultural resistance. You know, you had mentioned very early on in the conversation how you were against the idea of the drugs. Mm-hmm. And I, I had to have this conversation in a sense. I, <laughs> I'm teaching a religion and ecology class at a Jesuit university at the moment. And we were reading Bell Hooks. And she had this article essay about tobacco in the South. And how it's been sort of bastardized and, you know, that it was different for the people growing up that, you know, they farmed the land and it was a sacred substance and it was a sacred substance to the indigenous people. And so in the class, we had this conversation about sacred medicines Mm -hmm. and how, why is it that we refer to some of them, some substances as drugs versus medicine? And there was resistance from some of the students who, you know, I got an email saying, oh, you're encouraging us to do this. And I'm like, no, let's think about some of the things that Bell Hooks is talking about in terms of like racism and whatnot. And so I think that we've got this larger cultural journey to kind of go on as well, to go from drug to medicine. Yeah. And one of the things that I, you know, always want to point out is these are plants, right? Right. So when you're talking about drugs, these are not pharmaceuticals. These are not manufactured with a whole bunch of different chemicals in that, that you don't even know how they're interacting. Right. Okay. These, these are plants, right? Th- this is a vine. Okay. In the case of psilocybin, it's a mushroom, right? right? So, you know, I always find it interesting. We've had guests that have been on antidepressants for, for, you know, I had one guest I was, was talking to, he'd been on antidepressants for 29 years, mm. right? And just, just to live his life right? He came off of those to do ayahuasca and has not gone back on, right? So I'm like, so why is it okay that someone can take a pill every day for 29 years to deal with depression and you, you drink ayahuasca you have a profound experience and, and you no longer feel that you need that, mm-hmm. right? Now, I'm not saying that that's going to happen with everyone, right? But it, it, it's, not, it's not a unique story, Right. Where, where, where people are coming off of some of these, these medicines, even, you know, you know, I've had a lot of people say I've lost weight since I did ayahuasca. I'm looking after myself more. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not on high blood pressure medications. I have a new respect for me, you know? So, you know, you can be on a, a high blood pressure. You can be on antidepressants. You can be on the, on these things your entire life. And that's considered okay. Right. Right. I mean, I've talked to some of these medical doctors. I talked to a medical doctor yesterday who said to me that she's reached a stage in her career. She's still active at a hospital. She said she's reached a stage in her career where she's actually thinking she's doing more harm than she is good with the amount of drugs that are being prescribed. That yeah. so much of the issues are, 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 you know, our own trauma, our own, our own emotional issues in, in drugs, just mask all that. Right. You know? So that's kind of my, this is a plant. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I I also think one of the things that I learned is I, and this was one of the assumptions I had was when I first went and I had my reasons for going, I thought it would be almost like a magic bullet, a Mm. miracle cure. And I would see people online talking about, oh, I've sat with the medicine, you know, like 50 times now. I'm like, why? (laughs) Why? And I've had to learn, and I learned very quickly that it is a relationship that you develop with the medicine. Right. 
Yeah. And for some people, they will come down to a retreat week and, and that's where, you know, that's enough. That's, yeah. that's what they're comfortable with. And for other people, it, it, it develops more. It's a, it's an ongoing relationship, you know, yeah. my own situation that first week that, that I sat in a ceremony, a retreat week, I, I didn't come to terms with living more authentically and in, in how much I hated myself. That was a further journey for me, yeah. you know? So Sometimes it's, you know, I've heard it described as the classic onion. You know, you keep, yeah. you keep peeling back the, the, the layers and it's, it's interesting for me because it, it's getting less difficult to do that work. It's actually yeah. becoming more of a joy, yeah. right? Like, you know, wow. Like, you know, look at, look at what I've worked through. Look what I've let go of, mm. you know, yeah. in our cultivating pride week and particularly we were talking about letting go of the stories that we've been told and the stories then that we tell ourselves. Mm -hmm. right so it's not just that we've been told this by society we we then repeat these stories to to ourselves, yeah. you know in in letting go of these things that don't serve us and that that's a process that takes time yeah yeah well you that's know? the ego at play that's the the ego likes to create the stories yeah you know yeah and it it oftentimes the stories don't serve us right you know <laughs> yeah. in my case it wasn't like you're good enough and you're worthy it was the classic opposite of right. of, of those of those stories yeah. yeah 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 the 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 power in the medicine is just amazing uh but let me ask you i know that uh we're uh, running close to out of time uh but i wanted to ask you about the psilocybin retreats as well uh what, what's going on with those yeah, we just want to be clear. It's either or, so we don't okay. do the psilocybin yeah. with 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 the ayahuasca. Um, yeah, I don't think we, they would we, mask well. <laughs> no, no, and and but you know, so when we say we do ayahuasca and psilocybin, yeah. we're careful. It's not in the right, same right. the same yeah. week. One of the the real benefits of of ayahuasca, of sorry, of psilocybin is just so much research coming out of a lot of North American research centers, universities. You know, just showing the profound benefits of of psilocybin from for so many issues. You know, obviously big with with vets. There's been a lot of support for for vets dealing with post traumatic stress disorder. So psilocybin is getting a lot of, you know, talk and a lot of awareness. And and also in order to be able to do psilocybin, you don't have to come off the, the same level of medications that, that you do for for ayahuasca. So right. for for some, it's it's a medicine in itself. You know, and in their medicine would be psilocybin, and others. It's it's a nice first step. It really depends on on the individual. Okay, yeah. And so on. Most of the ceremonies are week long, correct? Yes, we do Saturday to Saturday, so you can come down and and really take some time. You know, oftentimes time away from a, a busy life to to do some self work. Yeah, and during that week, there are for ayahuasca. There's three ceremonies. Is that correct? It depends. There's, there's, okay. there's a minimum of three, often okay. four. Okay. okay. Our average week would actually have four, four okay. ceremonies. So yeah. And with, with the night off halfway through the week, just, just to, you know, do a breath work or do it, right. do a different night and, and, yeah. and yeah, have a chance to, to get ready for a couple more. Okay. And then with the psilocybin, what is that? Uh, Same. Process? You would, the, the week, the cadence looks pretty much the, the, the same. Obviously, the ceremonies will differ. The medicine differs. But we really try to give a lot of time for sharing circles, a lot of time for, for movement, yoga in the mornings, a lot of time for a breathwork class. We like to do what we call reunion on the beach, which is a, which is a closing ceremony with a fire yes. pit. Yeah. Yes. yeah. So, so this similar structure, diff, different medicines. 
Yeah, I saw that and I really liked that ritual on the beach of kind of letting go of something, you know, burning something away. I think that's yeah. always very powerful. Yeah. Yeah. We often start the week with, with letting, letting stuff go, yeah. you know, giving it up to the fire and then often close the week with, with the fire ceremony as well down by yeah. the beach. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's all very, very powerful. And I applaud you for the work you're doing. I think that it is so crucial right now that, you know, the world needs healing. And, you know, I am of the opinion is, you know, as within, so without. And when we see the state of the world, you know, nature and war and everything, it tells me that humanity needs to do some work. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah, we do. Yeah. So let me ask you, what do you have coming up? What's, What's coming up next year for Reunion? Yeah, so we have our Awakening Leadership Series. We'll have uh, four or five different retreats throughout 2024 for that. Uh, We'll have at least three uh, Cultivating Pride for Gay and Queer Men. Uh, We'll have a Lesbian Week uh, in August. Uh, We'll have a Woman's Week. We'll have a Medical Doctor's Week in in April. And and in between all of those different uh, unique programs are our you know, signature weeks, our regular, our regular weeks of, of either psilocybin or, or ayahuasca. That leadership would be really interesting because I think a lot of our corporate leaders would benefit from something like this. Yeah. Yeah. I can tell you that the people that have been through uh, the profound thing is they, they have benefited, right? Really a lot of people are looking from a leadership perspective is, is how do I be more of a conscious leader? You know, I, I'm, I'm still leading an organization. I'm still in business. We're still, you know, having to to drive to to a bottom line. But how can I do that in a way that's more conscious for for the organization and and more conscious for ourselves? Right. Right. Yeah. So awakening leadership. I'd probably add the word awakening conscious leadership or developing yeah. conscious leadership. I yeah. think a lot of people have that. They they just want to take it. They want to take it further and they want to take it deeper. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would be interesting to see that change in people, but also the change in the businesses themselves. I think yeah. that's crucial. It's, it, it's the ripple effect, right? You know, that all of this it, will ripple out. Yeah. Well, every week we don't do large groups at reunion, mm-hmm. you know, so, so we, we keep the groups small, mm-hmm. but I, whenever there's a guest there, it's not just the guests you know, it's the 10 people they're going to go home to, or the 20 right. people they're going to go home to in, in, in these shift, these changes we make in ourselves do have that ripple effect. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, yeah. so we're getting a lot of, I guess, actually that are word of mouth referrals from, right. from people that have been there and in, in, yeah. in talking about us. Right. Yeah. And I imagine that you would probably get, you know, people who come back as well, because, you know, those who feel called to have that relationship with the medicine. Yeah. Yeah. We do ask people to wait 30 days before they rebook, just, just, you know, to not race right back into this where I was before there was an onsite rebooking team. So you were kind of being rebooked before you even left. And, and that just doesn't resonate with, with what we do at reunion. We encourage you to take, I mean, we'd love to have you back. Just, just make sure you take some time to integrate this first and, and, and we're not going anywhere. We'll be there. We'd love to have, have the guests back for sure but just take some time. Don't, there's no pressure to rebook. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't imagine that having the experience and then someone's like, okay, when are you going to come back? (laughs) That would be, uh, (laughs) yeah. I'd be like, no, I need some time here. 
Yeah. Yeah. So where can people go to find out uh, about Reunion? Yeah, the, the best place would be our website, reunionexperience.org, O-R-G. That has a list of our programs. Uh, if people want to book a discovery call, there, there's a there's a connection there to do that, to talk to someone further. Sometimes people are, well, is ayahuasca or is it psilocybin? You know, so we can answer some of those questions a little bit more in depth on a one-on-one basis. Yeah. And it seems to me that it would also be important to do just a little bit of screening as well to see, you know, why someone is wanting to do this. Yeah. And we do a really in-depth medical uh, intake, right? Mm-hmm. Making sure, first of all, they're 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 healthy enough to do this right. and that they're in a psychological place that they're able to do the medicine as well. Right. right? Yeah. Uh, there, there are some individuals, unfortunately, that just aren't out of place health-wise that, that these medicines at this time could 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 be taken safely. Yeah. And it's, there's also the case that some medicines, there's a contraindication. So yep. they would have to stop taking some medicines. And that's something that I don't know that everyone is aware of this, that there's a process beforehand. There's a dieta that you have to get on, especially for the ayahuasca, not so much with psilocybin. Right. Um, you have to give up certain things. Yeah, certainly food-wise and yeah. for particularly for ayahuasca and, and somewhat yeah. so for psilocybin, certainly different medications. You don't want to be mixing with, with these plant medicines. But we definitely go through all that on the intake. We have quite a, yeah. we have a full-time nurse on the property that, that helps on all our intakes. And then our medical advisors, our doctors, North American doctors, just to make sure that we can do the, the, the proper screening. Yeah, right. and, and if, if you're not ready to do this now, you know, you, there's always some time down the road, right? right. So right. Uh, make sure we want to make sure people are healthy and can do this in a, in a really safe way. Yeah. And I imagine I didn't ask you this, but it just came to mind that during the actual ceremony that there would be a number of facilitators there to help people as well. Oh, absolutely. There's a large team, right? Everyone from helping a guest to, to, to a restroom, to, to helping during, during ceremony, if someone's having a, a challenging time, but, but, but definitely that's why we keep, keep the group small, right? Like we don't, we don't do 80 or 90 people in a, in a, in a ceremony. We keep, you know, keep it way smaller than that, just so that we can make sure that the support is there to, to the individual guests. Yeah. Yeah. I couldn't imagine doing this in a group of 80 or 90 people. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in my own experience, having a smaller group is, is, yeah. is, is really beneficial. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it allows for that community. I think it's much more difficult to develop a community when you've got a massive group. Yeah. Yeah. It's nice when the, you can get to know, and even for our facilitation team, for the people at reunion to, you know, with, with, with a smaller group, you can get to know everyone's name and you get to right. connect in, individually. You get yeah. into the 70s, 80s or 90s. It's, you, you can't keep track of, of that many names. Yeah. So what's the average group size? About- Probably around 23 25 our high would be 35 okay you know this particular week we have 33 people in the ceremony so so you know that's that's kind of reaching the back on the awakening leadership we go a little a little larger because we, we we can accommodate that but but never what we would call a large large group okay all right. Wonderful. Well, Brad, thank you so much for uh, speaking with me today. Again, I applaud the work that you're doing. I think it's very valuable. The world needs healing. Yeah. Well, I appreciate being able to come on your show and, and getting the, the word out that reunion is there if people feel, feel the call. And that's a wrap on episode 115 of Rebel Spirit Radio. 
Thank you so much for listening or watching if you're part of my YouTube audience. Now, you know what's coming, all the usual. Sign up for my Patreon, share this with friends, family, coworkers, and on social media. Subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use to listen to or view podcasts. You know the grind. But here's the thing. All of that is really important. Putting this podcast together takes quite a bit of time and effort. Right now, it's a labor of love. I'm in the process of making changes to improve the podcast and the YouTube channel. It's slow going, but your support will help me speed up the process and ensure that I can continue with the podcast and offer much more content than what I provide now. As I always say, I'm here in the front range doing missionary work in regards to religion, spirituality, and ecology, psychedelics, and consciousness, and how all of this can help us heal humanity's sacred relationship with the living earth. So if you feel moved by the rebel spirit, and you know I sure hope that you do, then please, by all means, help me in my efforts to share the good news. I'm Nick Mather, and you've been listening to, or watching, Rebel Spirit Radio. Until next time, may you be in peace, may you flourish in all possible ways, and may you continue to nurture your rebel spirit. <laughs>